When I was a child, my dad got sick. He died. When I was a child, my dad got sick. He died. When I was a child, my dad got sick. He died. This is Evergreen Sky. I wasn't a child when my dad died, and yet his death made me an adult. He shouldn't have died. Not really. It all seemed so uh, innocuous. It was just the flu, he said. It was just the flu we all said. And then he died. It was just the flu, I said, as I ran with Jane through the bowels of Green Common onto her ship. It was just the flu. I'm there now, on Jane's ship. I've never been in the sky before, let alone out of Earth's atmosphere. Jane's ship is a cool, metallic cave or cavern. Is there a difference? It's strange that this lifeless hull is what is keeping us, well, alive. While the metal is a reminder of the stupidity of space travel, that it isn't something humans are meant to be doing without layers of protection and incredible waste. The metal hums around me like a living thing. We've given life to the inanimate ship to protect our own. And like life, it burns. Where does the life we give the ship come from? Can you create life without taking it? I've never known anyone who had a ship before. I know they're fairly common among certain people, especially the tourist-class ships that can go to the moon and back, but that's never been a group of people I've interacted with. My people stay on the ground. I asked Jane where she got this ship. I obtained it, she said. I decided not to press the matter, but I wish I could at least not worry that I'm going to be arrested for piracy. <laughs> Wait, am I a pirate now? We ran through the hallways of Greencom, first down, then up, and out onto the street. I have to be frank, I am not a runner. My life does not facilitate much more movement than walking from my apartment to the Greencom building. By the time we slipped down a narrow side street away from Greencom, I was beyond needing to catch my breath. Where are we going? I asked Jane between wheezes, my legs burning. My ship, Jane replied, her eyes alert, scanning the street for any sign of green calm. You have a ship? I asked. Sure do, sweetheart, Jane said with a smirk. We just need to get back to where I hid it and we should be free as a bird. Being a reasonable sort of person, the only thing I thought to ask was, 
where even does one hide an entire ship? When I ask myself how I ended up on this insane adventure, just remind me that my only question was about the logistics of ship hiding. Maybe I really am a pirate now. It turns out that it isn't actually that hard to hide a ship in the city. Even having lived in the lower city my whole life, there are plenty of the twisting alleys and flat rooftops I know nothing about. We made our way from the upper city to the lower city through buildings and side streets, occasionally doubling back to make sure we weren't being followed. While it felt a bit monotonous, I still felt the hum of my blood rushing past my ears and the pounding in my chest wondering just what the hell I had done. I was in a full panic by the time we reached Jane's ship. I can't do this, I said. You already have, Jane answered. Alex, I know that you're scared. You have every reason not to trust me, but I'm so glad you're here. We need you, and you need us. Let's just get a safe distance from here, and I'll explain as much as I can. We'll be able to give you a full explanation when we get where we're going. She must have picked up on my look of, you had better explain more this second or I'll panic barf. So she continued. Mars, she said casually, as if a trip to the Mars colony was just a normal part of day-to-day -day existence and not a hecking big deal. Listen, just come aboard and meet my crew. We'll try to answer as many questions as we can, but we need to make way. Now. I thought for a moment, but I'd already made my choice. I took a step forward. Welcome aboard the Sherwood. I remember the first time someone I knew went to space. It was rare for the kids in the district classes. Not at all like it is for my niece's friends. So the whole class stopped to listen to the story of Mary's family vacation to the moon colony. It was all pretty standard stuff, now that I think back on it. The moon colony has been marketed as the prime tourist destination for quite a while now. You know, all the luxury of an Earth resort and almost none of the pollution. The moon is the premier vacation destination for everyone. I've seen pictures and it looks nice enough. There's something about the light on the moon. It seems so bright. They say just being in the new atmosphere and the lower gravity of the resort colony adds years onto your life, but I don't know about that. Maybe it's just having the time and resources to take time off of work that does it. I imagine that's pretty nice. Even so, the moon colony seems so peaceful. So orderly. Not like the lower city at all. And definitely not like what I've heard about the Mars colony. For weeks after Mary spoke about her moon trip to the class, I dreamed about what it must have been like leaving the ground, lifting up from everything we knew, and finding whole new worlds? Can you imagine? Well, I suppose you can. I can now, too. But at the time, it was something entirely beyond my understanding. I had nightmares about the endless darkness, the present absence that is space, and yet... Even in my fear, I wanted to see it, to touch it, to experience all that it had to offer. Looking at it now, at that endless knot, 
I feel surprisingly large. Well, maybe not large, but connected. Connected through isolation. I'm looking at that shrinking pale gray-green dot, and I can't help feeling amazed that everything I know is there, but I'm here. The, the potential of it all, I just... Wow. The crew of Jane's ship totals five people. I haven't been with them long, but I'm starting to learn more about them. There's Jane, of course. She's in charge. There's a guy named Cole who seems to be second in command. He has the attitude of someone in charge, anyway. Sean is the one I've talked to the most apart from Jane. I'd almost like him if I thought I could trust any of them. There are two others, but they've kept to themselves so far. I wonder if they're more involved in operating the ship? I don't know. I listened to what they had to say about Greencom. And, well, I'll let you form your own opinions. According to Jane and her crew, Greencom is directly responsible for the, for the death of my father. Let me explain. When I was younger, my dad started getting sick. At first, we thought nothing of it. He worked in waste management, and the long hours of physical labor were taxing on anyone. And where we lived, well, people were sick all the time. You can only cram so many people in with one another before people start sharing sickness left and right. So for quite a while, we just thought he had a cold and he'd get over it. And, uh, well, he didn't. I've had time to make peace with his death. It doesn't follow me like it used to, although I still think about him, especially when I'm making tough decisions. See, he was committed to Greencom until the day he died. He knew he was part of the family and believed that Greencom was the way forward for all of us. Jane, Cole, and Sean sat with me when I got on board the Sherwood. They believe that Greencom, and I know that this is going to sound insane, that Greencom has been intentionally exposing their workers to viruses they can't afford to treat. According to them, Greencom gave my father a treatable illness, knowing he would never be able to survive it. I asked them what Greencom could possibly have to gain from this. Why would they want to get rid of good, hard-working employees? And besides, what if my dad had been able to get treatment in time? They claim that Greencom, in their focus on progress and efficiency, don't want to keep around older employees once they start to slow down. While it would have been easy to treat the flu he had if we'd had the money, Jane says that Greencom intentionally didn't pay him enough to let him get the treatment. This, this can't all be true, can it? It's insane, right? And if it isn't, what does that mean for me? For all of us?
the movement of the ship, the the vibrating, the breathing, it's it's starting to get to me. I feel like I've been swallowed and I'll be expelled into the black void at any moment. It's not like I don't have enough space between my cabin and the common areas. It's it's more space than I'm used to by a good deal. It's just that <laughs> more space than I'm used to. Get it? I hope you won't think less of me when I admit to a moment of panic. Something I assure you is entirely out of character for me. It just seemed to hit me all at once. Here I was, alone and in space. I don't know any of these people. And really, what's stopping this ship from suddenly bursting into flame or puking us out into the frozen vacuum of space? Physics? I, okay, sure. I was looking at the window, at the endless sea of potential death, and having an entirely rational response when Jane found me. She seemed to think my reaction to the very increased risk of death in our current situation was... amusing? She told me that she'd had the Sherwood for years, and it had never failed her. I'm just so... alone out here, I admitted. I, I'm alone most of the time back in Prosperity, too, and it's not like we speak to each other at Greencom. But at least I understand... Uh, well... I understand. I know my place. I know what's expected of me at every moment of the day. And now I'm just... Adrift. Jane smiled softly. Alex, she said. I don't think you understand how special you are. The way you think it's perfect. Jane looked out the window for a moment, her face unreadable. Everyone aboard the Sherwood had a hard time finding their place. But they found it here. You're one of us now, and you don't need to worry. We're a family here, and we take care of our own. Jane turned to me with one of her brilliant, disarming smiles. We're adrift together. That isn't so bad, is it? I returned her smile. My panic mostly subsided. Not so bad, no. Jane, I asked, trying to make the most of this feeling of openness between us. Why me? Why did you bring me? Because, Alex, when I was walking through Greencom HQ, you were the only one who looked up. You were the only one who noticed me. The thing is, what if they're right? What if I've spent all this time giving everything to Greencom and they... Through, through whatever ethical hoops one must jump to come to this conclusion, are responsible for the death of my father. Even if not directly responsible, isn't it true they didn't pay him enough to support his family, let alone to seek medical care? And that was after giving his everything to Greencom for decades. What would it mean for me if this is true? What would this mean for, for us? We've let Greencom take control of, of everything. Our food, our schools, our jobs, us. And if they control our lives, don't they also have 
power over our deaths? And even knowing this, or, well, thinking this, what can I possibly do? There is not life in prosperity without Greencom. For all I know, there's no life anywhere without Greencom. And I'm just one person who's okay at programming and not much else. This is so far beyond me. I, I don't think making a change is possible. I spent some time with Cole and Sean tonight. Cole wasn't nearly the hard ass I thought he was. But he definitely holds himself like he's used to being in command. Sean is just a huge goof. I'm not sure how anyone can get work done with him around. We played a game with some small printed cards. I still don't really understand the rules, and even though printing cards for a game seems like kind of a waste, it was fun. I was a little worried about fitting in with the crew. I mean, I don't know any of these people, and yet here I am on their ship for, uh, some reason. I tried asking how they knew about me, and what they knew about me, but they just replied that Jane always has a plan. Always. That bit of mystery aside, it has been almost... fun? I haven't taken a break from work in... ever? They're all incredibly cagey about what it is they actually do, but... They helped me submit for time off from Greencom so that I'll still have a job when I come back. If I come back? I'm coming back, right? I wasn't aware that I had any time off in my Greencom contract, but they promise I'll still have my job, so I uh, won't ask too many questions. Colin, Sean, and I'm assuming Marty and Joe too, though I still haven't spent much time with them are noticeably devoted to Jean. I'm not sure I can quite put my finger on it. It seems like no matter what they're doing, they're always showing a certain deference to Jean. I tried probing a little to see what sort of a relationship they all have, mostly just because I want to know what I've walked into. And all I have to say is, how much they respect Jane. It's clear that, if nothing else, Jane has made a deep impression on all of them. I, I just got a message from my mom and... I forgot to make my weekly deposit into her account, and she needs the money for my niece's school quarterly tuition, and I, I'd forgotten. I... How could I? I just left. I just left them without a word, without even a... But I was. I was thinking about them. I left for them. If there is something we need to know about Greencom, about Dad, don't I owe it to them to find out? Don't I owe it to her? I just have to hope that she'll... that they will forgive me.
that... Are we already... It's just... It's just a reddish speck, but... Could we be... Jane! J Jane, is that... Alex, do you see it? We're almost there. It's Mars! It's... Mars? Wow. Evergreen Sky is written by Anna Marie Carlson and produced by Anna Marie Carlson and Winnie Ramler. The voice of Alex is Anna Marie Carlson. The voice of Jane is Winnie Ramler. Music for this episode is by Bortux and Montplacier and is available on the Free Music Archive. If you want to stay in touch with the show, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Evergreen Skypod. If you like what we're doing here with Evergreen Sky, it really does mean a lot to us if you can share the show with your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. Finally, I want to say a huge thank you to the amazing support we got for our first episode, and to the patience and continued support that you all showed in waiting for this episode. The rest of the season should be coming out in a much more timely manner, and we can't wait for you to see what we have planned. Until next time, this is Evergreen Sky.